Are you passionate about resolving conflicts and making positive impact in the world? Then USD's Conflict Management and Resolution Master's program may be for you. Learn to address conflicts at all levels, from personal disputes to global crises. Join the Croc School's dedicated community, fostering peace and understanding while you acquire practical skills to navigate diverse settings. Apply now and be the change you want to see in the world. Visit sandiego.edu slash peace slash VOSD. That's sandiego.edu slash peace slash VOSD. Join culture creator Ramel Wallace, museum CEO Micah Parson, philanthropist Erwin Jacobs, and urban agriculturist Diane Moss on season two of Stop and Talk, a podcast about the future of the San Diego region. How can we create a vibrant region that celebrates our cultural richness and economic strength? Find out and hear other San Diego experts on Stop and Talk. Discover seasons one and two now at stopandtalkpodcast.com. That's stopandtalkpodcast.com. This podcast is brought to you in part by the estate of Bob Nelson. Bob was a lover of all things San Diego and a longtime supporter of Voice of San Diego and its podcasts. We at Voice of San Diego are honored to have his support during his lifetime and continued support through his estate planning. What are you going to talk about? Um, all the chisme. All the chisme. We are dying to know about. <laughs> bring, bring your own chisme, and uh, and we'll talk about it. I like that. Bring your own chisme. Yeah. <laughs> B Y B Y O C <laughs> B Y O C. Welcome to the Voice of San Diego podcast in partnership with News Radio 600 Kogo. I am Scott Lewis, the CEO and editor in chief at Voice of San Diego, and I'm joined as always by managing editor Andrea Lopez Villafaña. What's up, Lopez? What's up, Lewis? Andy, Andy Keats is off this week. It does feel like lighter in the office, right? Just like less. I thought you were going to say like quieter. I don't know. No. Less tie dye. There's definitely less tie-dye and less mentions of the band Fish, unfortunately. Uh, Hope he is enjoying his days off. Coming up on the show this week, we've got updates on some of the stories we have been following. Everything from how voting may work in the coming year to the Mission Valley Stadium site and more. We'll go through those in a great update roundup. Andrea went to a debate for Chula Vista mayor as that city grapples with its future. It's kind of at a crossroads, right? Leadership uh, change could go in many different directions, but they're debating things that they've been debating for like 20 years. So <laughs> we'll see what new there is there. She'll hit us with the highlights. And reporter Tigus Lane is going to join us to explain what happened behind the scenes and in the headlines with the San Diego County Fair. It is on but boy, it was sketchy there for a minute. We'll explain what happened. That's all coming up. Stay with us. But first, we are hosting a live event. Do you remember those? Live events? Yes. Real <laughs> yeah. people. Talking. Networking. Yeah. Sharing aerosols. <laughs> all of the things. Andrea and Andy are going to lead a discussion about the upcoming election and some of the stories we're following at Voice. You'll get insights about the news um, straight from reporters. I'll be there to help guide the conversation as well. 
and a chance to hang out with us in our little Voice San Diego community. There's a lot of people excited to finally talk about these things in person. It's going to be fun. It's Wednesday, May 4th at Cafe X in Sherman Heights. That's Cafe X in Sherman Heights on May 4th. You can register for free as a member or sign up and become a member at the same time. Check it out at vosd.org slash events. That's vosd.org slash events. So, Andrea, I went down to Chula Vista the other day and spent the good part of a morning. Had a great time. I was uh, a guest on the Emo Brown podcast. Uh, they record at the Three Punk Ales, uh, owned by Steve Gar- Garcia. He's the host there. Great guy. Great conversation. He's way into Chula Vista politics and Chula Vista, the future of the South Bay area, and also just everything having to do with public affairs. It was so much fun to talk to him. And so shout out to them. Look for my appearance soon, but it's also a great podcast. And Three Punk Ales was a cool little spot in a cool little part of town. So it seems like Andrea Chula Vista is always talking about the same kinds of things. For the Mm -hmm. last 20 years, I've heard them say like, boy, I wish people stayed here to buy things instead of going to San Diego. And they'd say like, how do we pay for cops? So you were spending some time in Chula Vista, trying to get the lay of the land as they head towards this really remarkable mayoral election, right? There's a bunch of qualified candidates. They're all raising money. They're, yeah, okay, maybe not <laughs> tons, but there's, there's, there's a few qualified candidates, few, right? Yeah, yeah. And they're raising money. They're competitive. Uh, so are they still talking about all those things? <laughs> yeah, so I got to say, though, um, you know, I was a community reporter for the Union Tribune right. and occasionally I have to cover Chula Vista for, right. and, and I don't say have to because it wasn't my beat. So, right. you know, I, it's kind of feels sometimes like you're parachuting to different subjects that you've never covered before. Um, so when I was at this race, just from the little knowledge I have of Chula Vista, um, when I was at this uh, forum, and all the topics that they were talking about, I was like, wait a minute, I feel like I've read about these yeah. for a really long time. And um, it was just it was just a little funny. So um, obviously they they brought up the the need to bring a university into the city, yeah. which that's been covered extensively. Uh, the need to hire more police and firefighters. That's also been a big issue for a really long time. Um, and, and other just like little bits of, of, you know, the, the job and, and housing opportunities in Chula Vista where people live in Chula Vista, but then they leave to go to city of San Diego to work and that's where they end up like hanging out. Right. So they were like kind of joking, like we need to get people to stop going to little Italy and like staying here. Uh, but that's been something that's, you know, part of the discussion for the city for years. So I I think one of the first things I ever did as a reporter in San Diego Mm -hmm. was go to an event that was them talking about the university and the land they'd set aside for it. So it's still not together. Did anyone promise that it was coming? Not really. (laughs) I mean, it was interesting. So we had all six candidates Uh um, and they, at the beginning, they were all encouraged to share like what the biggest challenge was. And they all had kind of like interesting different little things to say was this host this is the one hosted by the league of women voters yeah yeah and this was also um before the mayor's debate there was uh uh the candidates for district one to Mm -hmm. represent like um 
East Chula Vista, East Lake. Got it. So it was kind of like a two for one kind of thing. So the first question was, what are some of the biggest challenges? And so a big takeaway from what most of the candidates felt was this, um, what they referred to as like the jobs and housing imbalance. So that seemed to take most of the conversation, the, the need to really get make Chula Vista a place where people want to stay, people want to start businesses. Like someone mentioned that, um, I think it was Anita who said, people don't want to open businesses here. Like business owners from Chula Vista will talk to other people who want to start businesses and will ask them like, do you think I should open up a business in Chula Vista? And like those business owners say, no, do not open a business here. So that was most of the conversation. And then there were like random little plugins of like, um, you know, crime and, and police. Yeah. Well, let's review. So you said there were six candidates. There's kind of four main ones, right? Yeah. So there's, you just mentioned Zanita Encarnacion, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's Rudy Ramirez, former city councilman. Mm-hmm. So Zanita works for the Southwestern College, right? The chief of staff, I believe. Mm-hmm. And then um, Rudy Ramirez and then John McCann, who's on the city council. Yeah. And another city council member named Jill Galvez. Jill Galvez. And then uh, Amar Campanajar, who... Spent the last several years running for Congress in the East County, and he's originally from Chalivstor, has a lot of roots there, and has now decided to run for mayor there. So those are the kind of four like main ones, right? Mm-hmm. Did any any of them really distinguish what what kinds of themes are you seeing coming together? Yeah, I mean, one thing that was really interesting to me, and I I've covered um, candidate forums before, but I don't know why this seemed more obvious than in other places. I mean, obviously, candidates kind of do like an intro and really try to establish like yeah. why they are the candidate that you should support. But a common theme was like people trying to explain how like how long they've lived in Chula Vista and like why I don't know, like trying to put value on their roots in Chula Vista. Yeah, like, like was, who's more Chula yeah, Vista? Yeah, who's more Chula Vista? That's definitely um, something that was big yesterday. That's fascinating like, because, yeah, there there has been this undertone, like Amar is just like coming in. He's like, yeah. no, 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 I'm from there. And and a few others are are saying, it's a similar kind of d- dynamic, right? So they're all kind of fighting about who's, who's more Chula Vista. Yeah, so that was like a huge one. And then um, John McCann... Um, announced that he got the endorsement from the Chula Vista Police Association, um, which I think we were kind of like looking for because Amar got the endorsement from the firefighters. Right. Uh, So that was interesting last night. And he did mention that um, crime was a top concern for him, even though he also mentioned that Chula Vista is a really safe city. So it was kind of confusing why he brought up crime. But then he plugged in that police officers, they need to do a better job of recruiting and retention. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know Jill Galvez was hoping for that police endorsement as well. I think even Zanita was probably trying to make sure that they didn't Mm -hmm. have to make a choice if they didn't want to, but for McCann to get that. So he's the only Republican running in the race, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Spencer is independent. Got it. So it, it sounds like there's kind of two things going on there, right? One is they want to prove they're more Chula Vista, and they also want Chula Vista to be its own distinct place. It should not be a suburb of San Diego, that they mm-hmm. don't want it to be thought of as a suburb of a larger place. They want it to be its own place, and they want to prove that they're from that place and that they can represent it the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And draw, I think a, a big part of what they were talking about is like, 
so many of the issues that, yes, there was some acknowledgement, acknowledgement, mainly from Amar, who said, like, I see some people's eyes glazing over with us talking about the university, you know, like they acknowledge that so many of the city's problems that have been going on for years are because, yeah, Chula Vista is a place where people live and, you know, can afford maybe a bigger home than if they lived in the city of San Diego. But they don't stay there. They they work elsewhere. They spend their tax dollars elsewhere. Um, so there, I think there was like just a big consensus, consensus on the fact that like, yeah, people leave here and this is why we have so many issues. Now, I don't know if that's truly the case. <laughs> May not be the main issue, but um, there was talk of like bringing in federal dollars and other stuff. Yeah, well, even if you're not living in Chula Vista or, or in the area around it, this impacts you because this is a race that could have a significant impact on the broader regional government system. So Chula Vista has a very strong voice on the San Diego Association of Governments Board of Directors, along with the city of San Diego. They, the Chula Vista can basically dictate what's going on, what where we should go, what directions we should take. And, and so that's an important angle, but also just what the city does to help with the housing crisis in the region, uh, how the city handles uh, all the issues that we're all handling from uh, homelessness and other issues. It's, it's going to be a big race. So over the next few weeks, we're going to do our part to try to explain some of these themes and what the residents really care about, right? And so uh, I guess you'd probably be taking some cheese may if they have some to offer, right? Yeah, yeah. So feel free to reach out to me if there's anything that you think I should cover or just, you know, get get some get some tips in there. There you go. Anyone can contact me at andrea.lopez at voiceofsandiego.org. So this show is going to have a big section about the future of a real carnival, the San Diego County Fair and the carnival attractions that are there. But Andrea, brace yourself. I'm going to give you an updates carnival on some of the news that we've been following. Are you ready? I'm excited. But I have a question. What? Does this come with fried food? <laughs> no, unfortunately, no. How sad. Um, so let's get into it. So this week, the city council's rules committee went through some issues that they might want to put in front of voters of the city of San Diego. And so we got some updates on how they feel about these things. So do you know what ranked choice voting voting is? Um, is it when you get more candidates you get to pick from? Right. Yeah. And it doesn't advance to just like two candidates. Yeah. So basically there's um, like five, let's say there's five candidates, right? So in a ranked choice voting system, you would choose uh, your top five. So you do, mm-hmm. you do one as your first, second is second, third, third. You can leave some off if you want, but you would rank them. Right. Mm-hmm. And so the winner does, if, if nobody gets more than 50% of the number one votes, then the last candidate, the one who's not getting any of the first ones, that candidate drops out and all of their second choices then filter up as as votes, right? Mm-hmm. And so if nobody gets a majority after that, then that last candidate drops off again and their second place votes go up and goes through that process again. And then if that drops out, then it gets to the, as goes as long as it needs to go until there's somebody with a majority vote mm-hmm. and thus they win. Mm-hmm. And the the nice thing about it is well, there's kind of two big good arguments for it. One is that it 
allows you to choose a candidate that you don't think will win necessarily, but really does truly represent your point of view, mm-hmm. right? So say that say it was applied to the Chula Vista mayor's race, and you're like, boy, I really like Jill Galvez. I'm concerned she's not going to run or win, so I'm going to put her first. And then second, I'm going to put Zanita. And then third, I'm going to put John McCann, right? Mm-hmm. And so if Jill felt, fell out of that, then then it would your vote would still matter. Does that make sense? Like you, since you've got the chance to vote for somebody for second place, oh yeah, you would still you would still have a voice. And so it's trying to solve this problem of like you don't want to self censor your your own voice, right? right. You want to like so if you really do believe in in like a, a Bernie Sanders or something like it gives you a chance to vote for them even though maybe you're not sure that they're going to like mm-hmm. move on. Because otherwise you might say, oh, well, I really, really identify with this candidate, but I know that they don't have all the endorsements and all the money. And right. so I'm not going to vote for them because whatever, that'd be like throwing away my vote. I don't want to waste my mm-hmm. vote. Right, exactly. And so ranked choice voting is the sort of answer to that. The other advantage that it has is that because of that, it allows you to get rid of a primary. So the whole point of a primary versus a, a runoff is – you want to make sure that a that a, a candidate wins a majority vote, wins mm-hmm. the most votes. There's we don't have very many elections in this region, although there's some for some small cities where the person with the with the plurality of votes wins outright, right? So as opposed to a majority of votes, you, you don't want one person to win like they did in the in the Oceanside race for mayor, like with you know, a small number of total votes of the whole thing, right? Mm-hmm. If they only have like 17 to 20% of the vote, did, do they really represent the community, right? right? And so we, we uh, have often insisted that there be a runoff to make sure, okay, then the top two go forward. And that means that the person with, who wins will have reached the majority of support, right? So mm-hmm. right now, this weekend, the presidential election in France happens and they're going to a runoff and for that very principle that, you know, Macron versus Le Pen, they're going to see who gets the most uh, votes out of that. So that proposal has been adopted in San Francisco. Maine does it. The whole state, the state of Alaska does it. Mm-hmm. But the idea was, let's bring it to San Diego. Uh, Councilman Chris Kate has been pushing it uh, pretty strongly here. And again, the idea being like, we'll get rid of uh, primaries and we'll get to see people's true perspectives on these votes. So it went to the San Diego City Council Rules Committee this week, and it was approved for further study, but it had a few hooks. One of them was that they would still have a primary if there was more than six candidates. Okay. So the idea was that if you had like 10 candidates, the ranking would be like a big, you'd have like a big table. It'd be like maybe too confusing or overwhelming, right? Mm-hmm. Um. And but Chris Kate, who's been supporting this, said if you do a primary still with this, like I don't want to support this. The whole point is to get rid of a primary, save that money, mm-hmm. and also give people to you know a chance to to truly experience ranked choice voting. And then a few others were like, I'm not so sure. I'm into this. We'll see. So it went forward, but it's not clear that it's going to actually go on the ballot for people to approve and thus change the way we vote forever. So we'll keep watching that, but. Sounds like it's not doing so good. It's not great. Yeah. But I think it's I think it's worth thinking about why. One of the things that it would it would sort of lessen the importance of 
endorsements. You were just mentioning in the Chula Vista mm-hmm. mayor's race that there was a lot of emphasis on the police endorsement, yeah. right? And so the 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 thinking is like maybe those would be less important because they wouldn't be such a decisive factor in a primary. Primaries have low information usually, or people are less informed in the in the thing. So often they can just make a decision like, well, I, I support the police, so I'll vote with what the mm-hmm. police do. But when you have a, a bigger election in November and there's all these different opportunities, you can vote for whoever you want and you can rank them, you may not be as persuaded to go with like what these sort of option. simple um, indications we use to make those choices, right? Mm-hmm. So that was one thing. Um, so uh, now, you know, you can go entertain your friends with an explanation of ranked choice voting, right? Yeah. That was kind of like, um, I would say it feels like a Ferris wheel ride because it's kind of slow. We're not sure yet when yeah. we're going to hop off. That's a, thank you for <laughs> continuing the carnival. Yes. It's not a fried Twinkie. That was more, that was more of a bad video game. All right. Next one up was the coastal height limit. We've talked about this a lot, of yeah. course, with Sports Arena. So that, by the way, that conversation about which bids go forward is happening right now at the San Diego City Council for the uh, bidders. There's five bidders that want to take over that land at Sports Arena and do something different with it. The city staff wants to get rid of two of them, and the city council is going to decide whether that's true or not. Hmm. We'll see. I did see tweets uh, people saying like, no, we want all of them right. to go in. So it will be interesting. Yeah. So the idea was to put, none of these are legal and none of these can go forward because they would violate the coastal height limit. Anything west of I-5 in the city of San Diego cannot be built higher than 30 feet without a vote of the people. We did that vote of the people in 2020, but it was deemed illegal. Mm-hmm. And so again, Chris Kate put forward an idea that we get on the ballot this year instead of in two years. And the city council moved that forward as well. Nice. So it's not, again, not guaranteed to be on the ballot, but that one is looking good. Good. All right, next up, he also proposes quite a day for Chris Kate. Yeah, wow, he's busy. So did you know it's illegal to have a daycare at a park? No. The city of San Diego is not allowed. The city of San Diego's facilities are not allowed to be used for daycares or like child education. Interesting. Is it because of safety or because you're making money off public land? I actually don't know the origin of that. Uh, that's might reveal some really interesting historical stories. Yeah, that's weird. But his proposal is that we put before voters the opportunity to have these kinds of facilities at city land, city facilities, and uh, it went forward as well. Oh, that's good. So you could have a daycare at a city park? Yeah, or some kind of camp or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Next up, the mayor really wants to be able to hire people directly without it having to go through uh, a sort of convoluted, um, complex commission system, the Civil Service Commission. So one of the ideas with local government and with all government is that you don't want like you don't want to hire uh, or to elect a mayor mm-hmm. and have him like or her fire everybody in the city and just hire all their friends, right? Mm-hmm. That sort of patronage system was kind of a big deal in like the 1800s and early 1900s where like somebody would get elected and then they'd they'd bring their whole machine to run the city and then somebody else would get elected and they'd get all pushed out. And so what emerged out of that was the civil service system, which basically said that like 
it protected people from that kind of political patronage system. Mm -hmm. But it also has some negative effects in that it's kind of harder to like change things at a at a bureaucracy like that, right? Mm -hmm. Well, the mayor is proposing that he be in charge of the hiring directly, that there'd still be the civil service protection, but that he could actually hire people directly, that there's they have trouble hiring people. There's a big uh, bunch of openings at the city. He wants to take that over. So that is also going forward for inclusion on the ballot. Nice. Was there any conversation about it? Seems yeah, there's a lot of dissent. In fact, the city's personnel director, as reported by the UT, um, was like, this is fine. We don't need to do this. I can hire people well. Other places have more vacancies than we do. What's your problem? Which I thought was interesting. <laughs> That's not word for word, right? <laughs> it was pretty close. He was really uh, fired up. Um, well, it's kind of like they're saying he's not doing a good job, right? Kind of. Yeah. Um, let me see. this. <laughs> What's I, your deal? <laughs> Doug, so this was Doug Edwards, the city's personnel director, harshly criticized the proposal and stressed that San Diego isn't any worse at filling vacancies than comparable cities. That was as reported by David Garrick in the Union Tribune. So I'm just assuming harshly was as 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 harsh as I put it. But maybe he was a little more more <laughs> diplomatic about I it. I like the little like hand flip, <laughs> you know, like, excuse me? Yeah. Um, so the, those were the ones we saw. Now we're still waiting for a little bit of word on whether they're going to try to reform the trash tax system. Right now you're not allowed to... The city's not allowed to charge a fee for trash uh, pickup on mm -hmm. public streets. Um, they do allow, of course, people, if you live in an apartment, you have to pay somebody to come get your trash. But if you can get your trash out to the street, you're not supposed to pay for it. And so they want to change that law to allow the city to charge for that. But that would still require them to go through the process of figuring out what they should charge. That's That'll be interesting. I just saw um, in Logan Heights, it was like trash day earlier this week and everyone had their trash cans out and i just saw a trash a garbage truck like destroy this one garbage <laughs> like it was just cut it in half it was wild so was i was just like thinking about film. yeah, yeah. Oh. i was like wow and it just made me think of that yeah well that that was there was actually some polling that said that if you can include i think kbbs wrote about this that if you include um free replacement of mm -hmm. garbage cans then the polling like goes up a lot about yeah. in favor of those fees. So how much do they charge? Have you ever? Uh, we had to replace. I think it was like fifty bucks each. So, but you also have to like get them down there. Like we we put them in the back of my truck, and then we came back with new ones. I I oh man, Andrea, I got in trouble. So I I wanted to <laughs> spray paint our our address on the side of it, uh -huh. and I did. And my wife looked at it and she was like, "Take that off now." So I had to figure out how to wipe it off. Because it was so poorly done, and she does not like things to not be done. <laughs> oh, well. but she's like talented artsy. -wise, yeah, she's right? an yeah. artist. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, I could see that. I don't know what I was thinking, but she's like, "Get a stencil, <laughs> do it right." What's wrong with you? <laughs> she's like, "This is embarrassing." <laughs> yeah. All right, so that was uh, another couple rides on the carnival. Pretty good, right? Yeah, pretty good. Is that ride. more of like a roller coaster or one of those like swings that goes around? One of those swings, okay. feeling a little nauseous. All right, let's see if I can get a roller coaster rating here soon. All right, next one. Do you remember when the Navy came out with its rendering of what it would do with that property at the Nav War Complex? So this is the area on Pacific Highway, the Spay War Complex. Mm -hmm. um, vast, big warehouse right now. And they released a rendering of what they want to do. So basically, the Navy wants to take that land. They want somebody to build them a new Spay War Complex. And then they said, the rest of the land you can do what you want with and tell us how much money you're willing to do for that or what you're willing to do, how much 
what are what's the deal we can make out of that? So mm-hmm. the update we had last week was that the city of San Diego and Sandag no longer want to put a Grand Central Station there. Mm-hmm. And so the Navy um, is going to have to do something of its own. But one of the things that happened when it opened up its ideas was it put out these renderings of what a bunch of homes there might look like. But instead of like designing them at all well or anything, they just put up big gray boxes of where homes would be in the most like awful way possible. <laughs> like if you if you were like somebody who was worried about how your neighborhood was going to get developed by mean de- evil developers, uh-huh. you would do a rendering like this to show what these ugly buildings would do to your neighborhood. <laughs> you would never do it to try to sell the yeah. community on that, right? Yeah. So that was, I think, a large part of what freaked the community out. So there's a whole opposition built to this. Now, the Navy can do a lot of what it wants on this land without us even mattering. But they have heard. <laughs> and so uh, Caitlin Ostamel, she's the Director of Public Affairs at the U.S. Navy Region Southwest. Uh, she, Andy Keats, talked to her and she said, look, I think it's fair to say that when we released those ideas this summer, last summer, those computer models of density were very scary to a lot of members of our community. We really heard what the public said and we said, you know, we need more detail before we finalize our way forward. And that's what bringing a developer on board would help us do. Hmm. So it kind of sounds like they had that same problem that you had. They spray painted yes. <laughs> their renderings yes. when they should have used a stencil. They should have used a stencil. They should have used professionals. I don't know what they were thinking that people would do. Like, you know, I'm an expert at renderings, right? Yes, yeah. Um, <laughs> we love renderings. When here. those came out, I think the UT published them. Uh, it, it was a story and, they, and I was like, are you serious? <laughs> You're going to put that out as, out as your first vision of what's going to happen to this land? It will ruin this project forever in people's minds. And it did, and now they recognize that. And of course, we'll see what they do to ruin people's imaginations next, right? Yeah, that's a roller coaster. That was? Yeah, Yes. that's pretty wild. Thank you. <laughs> All right, last one. So Andrea, you remember the fire chisme that was in the politics report about know, two months ago or something? Mm-hmm. This was SDSU was mad because the city council had not yet approved a small sale of land left over from its big purchase of the Mission Valley Stadium site and some regulatory stuff. It's called a vacation. It's not a vacation where you drink Mai Tais on the beach or whatever. (laughs) But uh, it had been held up pretty clearly because labor unions were mad at SDSU that they hadn't fulfilled some agreements or hadn't made some deals that they wanted them to about stadium workers, about hotel workers, about stage workers, about all kinds of uh, building workers that would be involved in this construction project. Mm -hmm. And so they somehow communicated to the city council that they shouldn't go forward with this until that peace was found with those situations, right? Mm -hmm. Well, it appears peace has been found. The city council approved the small things that it needed to to make those uh, happen. And, um, And the... Leader of the Hotel Workers Union, Bridget Browning, who's also leader of the Labor Council, she told me that the stadium workers she was worried about who had lost their jobs at Qualcomm Stadium or the former uh, SDCCU Stadium are going to get their jobs at the new stadium. So uh, 
looks like things are done. I don't know that the building work, building trades council workers got maybe what they wanted. We'll see, we'll follow up with that mm-hmm. to see how that goes. But uh, they got their permits, they got their purchase, and the construction moves on. They're good to go. Yeah. That was one of those rides that goes up. Just goes straight up and then comes and then down. Comes down. <laughs> I like this. It's like, oh my God, so much cheese, man. And I was like, uh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how this works. We're going to take a quick break. On the other side, we've got reporter tickets laying on the San Diego County Fair and a real carnival. We'll be right back. Are you passionate about resolving conflicts and making positive impact in the world? Then USD's Conflict Management and Resolution Master's program may be for you. Learn to address conflicts at all levels, from personal disputes to global crises. Join the Kroc School's dedicated community, fostering peace and understanding while you acquire practical skills to navigate diverse settings. Apply now and be the change you want to see in the world. Visit sandiego.edu slash peace slash VOSD. That's sandiego.edu slash peace slash VOSD. You might have heard the headlines recently. It's seen. You can't hear headlines. Lopez, come on. <laughs> I don't know. There's like audio options. That's true. On right. some news sites. Yes. I think it's pretty cool. So you might have you might have seen the radio announcements and heard the headlines that the San Diego County Fair was in jeopardy this year, if not canceled or whatever, which obviously a lot of people from 4-H clubs to ballet dancers and youth groups to People who like to eat fried everything were upset. Yes, they were upset. And that news came out, but then there was just a little bit more information about just why that happened or why that injunction came out. Now, it looks like the fair might be back in place, but joining us in the Great Voice San Diego studio is Tigus Lane. She's um, dug in a little bit and got some perspective on in some context about what's going on. Hello, Tigus. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys? Great. Thank you. Thank you. So, yes, start from the very high level here. So this is a state agency. The Del Mar Fair, Fairgrounds are state lands, and this is a state agency that managed all this? Yes. So the Del Mar Fairgrounds is run by the 22nd District Agricultural Association. Obviously. Wow, what yes. a long name. Very long name. <laughs> but so they are, the board of that is appointed by the governor of California. So they run the fairgrounds on behalf of the state. Got it. And this year they needed to do a normal sort of contract for who would run the rides and food and stuff like that? Yeah, so every for all of the fairs, um, they do like a contract process. It's called a request for proposal process. Um, and it's just a method of contracting a company in a way that's supposed to be fair. And so they um, they had some bids, like a couple companies, carnival companies wanted to be the ones to run the rides and the games. Um, and they chose a company called Ray Kamek Shows um, in 2021. They chose their contract, but another company called Tally Amusements also put their bid in for running the rides and the games. And they say that they should have won the contract, 
but that the 22nd district changed the scores in the process to make Ray Kamek shows win instead of Tally Amusements. Mm-hmm. And Tally sued. Yes. So Tally sued. And that was in the last year's contract. And then the district canceled that contract and a few months later reissued the request for proposals. But they had stricter requirements where only Ray Kamek shows could qualify. So Tally Amusements is suing saying that they originally changed the scores for the previous contract. And then when they reissued a new contract, that they made it so that only Ray Kamek shows could qualify. So did they cancel the contract the first time because of the allegations? They say it's because COVID happened, which is true. It aligned with that. But they canceled the contract a few days after Tally Amusements formally like protested Hmm. the the changing of the scores. Okay. So the new request for proposals goes out and it was you're describing it as st- so restrictive to who could bid that only one of them qualified. Yeah, so Tally is saying that they purposely restricted it so that only one of them could win the So that's contract. Tally's uh allegation. Yes, that is their allegation, but In the recent court ruling, a San Diego judge said, you know, it does kind of seem like that's what they did. Like, it is likely that they tailored it so that Ray Kamek shows would win the contract. So there was some testimony that went along with this, right? So give us the, give you about what was in that. Yeah, so two former employees of the 22nd district, they came forward in depositions and under oath, they testified that they witnessed the scores being changed by the Del Mar Fairground CEO. Her name is Carlene Moore. And they specifically pointed to her and said they saw the situation where Tally Amusements originally had the higher score and Carlene Moore directed people to change the score so that Ray Kamek shows would win. Mm -hmm. Again, this is all packaged in these allegations, but the judge looks at that and says, this is troubling enough. We need to put a stop to it. He does that injunction. That's what provokes all of the headlines that say we may not have a fair, but then that changes. You do your story, great story in Voice San Diego, kind of outlining all of these things. And and then the next day they said, everything's going to be okay? Yeah, kind of. I mean, the judge, his preliminary injunction kind of said it looks like the contract was likely rigged. Um, So he kind of stopped it and said the fair can't happen the way that this contract is right now, which is that Ray Kamek shows would be in charge of all of the rides and games at the fair. So in order for the fair to continue, Ray Kamek shows and Tally Amusements had to come together to come up with a new solution so as to not violate the judge's order, but still have a fair. So now the fair will go on with the full array of rides and games, but Tally and Ray Kamek shows will both be participating. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's awkward. <laughs> Very awkward. <laughs> Maybe. <Tense. laughs> you'll have like the you'll have those two booths, right? The two different right. booths where they're where they're 
they're they're trying to take your money for different tasks, but yep. they could they could also be like yelling at each other. Right. right? right. <laughs> Just, yep. well, that's fascinating. So, so I think one of the questions you had was there was some pretty explosive things outlined here. The judge says there seems like there's some substance, at least enough to stop this here. And then there's all these depositions and, and things. And I think your sort of simple question was, well, did has the fairgrounds and the management of the fairgrounds and the state appointees, have they looked at this? Have they reviewed you know, whether things are operating in a in sense of integrity or were they not? And you didn't find that they'd done anything yet to evaluate it. Yeah, there's, there's honestly been nothing done in terms of the district board has not called for an investigation, not even an internal investigation. Um, the CEO, Carlene Moore, who allegedly changed the scores, which is against public contract code, um, she still sits in her position, no form of accountability, consequences, nothing from the board or the state. And I reached out to the state departments that are supposed to oversee this agency. And they kind of just, you know, oh, we're not going to comment on this litigation. Um, they kind of pointed to each other saying they oversee it, but then they don't say anything like nothing is being done. Hmm. And does she have anything to say about this? She will not comment to me. <laughs> they, there was a, a part, though, of the story where she was asked if she changed the scores, right? Yeah. So during like the litigation process, the judge said explicitly like she never actually denied changing the scores. I think she knew that if she did deny it, it would be, you know, hurting herself because the evidence indicates that she did. So she never explicitly said that the scores weren't changed or that she didn't direct someone to change the scores. So the only thing that might be left is that she had some good reason for doing that, right? Right. So we'll see if that's, you know, some argument that they'll have in the future. The lawsuit is not over. Um, they decided to pause it until after the fair. So we'll see kind of how that plays out. Tigus Lane, she's been on the North County Beat now a few weeks, already doing some great stuff. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening to the Voice of San Diego podcast, the most popular public affairs podcast recorded in this agricultural district of the city of San Diego. Keep up with all of our stories with The Morning Report, our most popular newsletter. Get it at vosd.org slash morning. I'm Scott Lewis, the CEO and editor-in-chief at Voice of San Diego. Andrea Lopez Villafaña is our managing editor. Adam Greenfield is our expert technician. And Nate John is our expert producer. And they do a great job in making this happen. Thank you all. And thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week.